0: Benjamin Franklin, a um, name which is extremely famous um, around the world, not just within America, a name that is studied and honoured. I believe there's statues of him up at the White House. He is somebody who was involved in many great milestones. I would find it be hard to compare him to anybody, really. He was involved with the... um, uh, with the independence of America, the Declaration of Independence. He was also involved in the writing of the uh, Constitution of America. Um, amongst other things, he was uh, an inventor and a businessman. He, We know the story of him getting suspicious about electricity and the kite experiments. He was involved in music and a lover of music and all things uh, that... Um, uh, all things that were of interest to him seemed to have some form of success attached to it when he got involved. And so Benjamin Franklin is somebody whom I can't help but be intrigued by. There's not many people you will meet who can say that they've achieved the things he achieved and experienced the things he experienced. When I look at somebody who is worthwhile in, in reading a speech about, you think, what would it be like to sit down with this person and converse and have a conversation how would that impact me in my life and I if I could go back in a time machine I I think Benjamin Franklin he he would be a fascinating character wouldn't it be great to sit down with him and and just chat with the experiences and the life experience everything that he saw he was alive throughout almost all the 1700s. I believe 1706 he was born and, and passed in 1790. So he lived a, a long life. Um, and there are speeches that he gave, but I wanted to read an excerpt from uh, his autobiography because I found it fascinating and I thought you might find it fascinating too. And we'll stop and, and discuss it as we go along. I um, th- There's a lot of people who talk about ways to improve yourself um, and how you can go about life better and we're going to read what Benjamin Franklin did hundreds of years ago. It's just so fascinating to me that these ideas are not new. These are old ideas and Benjamin Franklin will prove that for us. So I'll just dive in. Uh, I'm just going to read excerpts from it. So uh, just just um, Enjoy it, and we'll, we'll see how we go from, from here. Uh, okay. The library afforded me the means of improvement by constant study, for which I set apart an hour or two each day, and thus repaired in some degree the loss of learned education my father once intended for me. Reading was the only amusement I allowed myself I spent no time in taverns, games or frolics of any kind and my industry and my business continued as it was necessary. I was indebted for my printing house. I had a young family coming on to be educated and I had to contend with for business two printers who were established in the place before me. My circumstances, however, grew daily easier. My original habits of frugality continuing and my father having, among his instructions to me when a boy frequently repeated a proverb of Solomon. Seest thou a man diligent in his calling, he shall stand before kings, he shall not stand before mean men. I, from thence, considered industry as a means of attaining wealth and distinction, which encouraged me, though I did not think that I should ever literally stand before kings, which, however, has since happened, for I have stood before five and even had the honor of sitting down with one, the king of Denmark, to dinner. <laughs> Isn't that... as just a bit of commentary there. You know, he, he one, we learn that he's a, a man of dedication, I suppose. He, he didn't allow himself time for taverns and games and things like that. He studied a lot, and he followed that proverb that his father taught to him, never thinking he'd stand before a king, and yet one day, he stood before a king. I wonder... I wonder what, you know, we, we, we talk about it, but the power of uh, visualisation or, 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 you know, things that we say that are going to happen, how much power is in that because he did exactly that. Anyway, we'll continue on. We have an English proverb that says, he that would thrive must ask his wife. It was lucky for me that I had one as much disposed to industry and frugality as myself. She assisted me cheerfully in my business, folding and stitching pamphlets, tending shop, purchasing old linen rags for the paper markers, etc etc. We kept no idle servant servants, our table was plain and simple, our furniture of the cheapest. For instance, my breakfast was a long time bread and milk, no tea, and I ate it out of a two penny earthen porringer with pewter spoon. But mark how luxury will enter families and make progress in spite of principle. Being called one morning to breakfast, I found it in a china bowl with a spoon of silver. They had been bought for me without my knowledge by my wife, and had cost her the enormous sum of three and twenty shillings, for which she had no other excuse or apology to make, but that she thought her husband deserved a silver spoon and china bowl as well as any of his neighbours. This was the first appearance of plate and china in our house, which afterward, in the course of years, as our wealth increased, augmented gradually to several hundred pounds in value. I had been religiously educated as a Presbyterian, and though some of the dogmas of that persuasion, such as the eternal decrees of God, election, reprobation, etc., appeared to me unintelligible, others doubtful, and I early absented myself from the public assemblies of the sect, Sunday being my studying day, I never was without some religious principles, I never doubted, for instance, the existence of deity, that he made the world and governed it by his providence, that the most acceptable service of God was the doing good to man and make us unfriendly to one another. This respect to all, with an opinion that the, wor- with an opinion that the worst had some good effects, induced me to avoid all discourses that might tend to lessen the good opinion another might have of his own religion. And as Our province increased in people, and new places of worship were continually wanted and generally erected by voluntary contributions. My might for such purpose, whatever might be the sect, was never refused. Though I seldom attended any public worship, I still had an opinion of its propriety, and of its utility when rightly conducted, and I regularly paid my annual subscription for the support of the only Presbyterian minister or meeting we had in Philadelphia. He, he used to visit me sometimes as a friend and administ- admonish me to attend his administrations, and I was now and then prevailed to go to do so once for five Sundays successfully. Had he been, in my opinion, a good preacher, perhaps I might have continued, notwithstanding the occasion I had for the Sunday's leisure in my course of study, but his discourses were chiefly either polemic arg- uh, arguments or excuses. Expl- uh, explications of the peculiar doctrines of our sect and were all to me very dry, uninteresting, and unedifying, un- since not a single moral principle was in um inculcated or enforced, their aim seemed to be rather to make us Presbyterians and good citizens. Okay, just backing up, sorry, I muddled some of those words there, but ultimately um you know, he he believes in uh, in a higher being. He is not sure about a sect being, you know, having all truth or anything like that. Um, but he went; he wanted to be part of his community, and he went along. Um, but he found it boring, essentially. And it sounds like he also had a a, a great wife who was of, of strong support to him and helped build the business as well. Um, and they were frugal they they didn't they didn't overspend. So we're starting to get a bit of a, a feel for. Um, You know, Benjamin Franklin here. Uh, Seems like a good fellow so far. We'll keep going. At length he took for his text that verse of the fourth chapter of Philippians. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, or of good report, if there be any virtue or any praise, think of these things. And I imagine in a sermon on such a text, we could not miss of having some morality. But he confined himself to five points, only as meant by the Apostle. One, keeping holy the Sabbath day; two, being diligent in reading the holy scriptures; three, attending, uh, attending duly the public worship; four, partaking of the sacrament; five, paying due respect to God's ministers. These might be all good things, but as they were not the kind of good things that I expected from that text, I despaired of ever meeting with them. From any other, was disgusted and and attended his preaching no more. I had some years before composed a little liturgy or form of prayer for my own private use, entitled Articles of Belief and Acts of Religion. I returned to the use of this and went no more to the public assemblies. My conduct might be blamable, but I leave it without attempting further to excuse it, my present purpose being to relate facts and and not to make apologies for them." I find that a bit funny. <laughs> Imagine being the preacher, you know, and you're reading this stuff all these years later. <laughs> you know how much you just found uh, your 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 preaching boring and uh, not uh, that you weren't getting the most out of what he was teaching. Anyway, um, fair enough. So we continue on, and and this is where I find it, it gets quite interesting. It was about this time I conceived the bold and arduous project arduous project of arriving at moral perfection. I'd wish to live without committing any fault at any time. I would conquer all that either natural inclination, custom or company might lead me into. As I knew or thought I knew what was right and wrong, I did not see why I might not always do the one and avoid the other. But I soon found I had undertaken a task of more difficulty than I had imagined. While my care was employed in guarding against one fault, I was often surprised by another. Habit took took the advantage of inattention. Inclination was sometimes too strong for reason. I concluded at length that the mere speculative conviction that it was our interest to be completely virtuous was not sufficient to prevent our slipping, and that the contrary habits might be broken and good ones acquired and established before we can have any dependence on a steady, uniform rectitude of conduct. For this purpose, I therefore contrived the, the following method. Okay, very important we get this. is actually very quite profound, this part. He wanted to basically be good, be a good person. So he thought, why can't I be good and not bad? And he found out that you can't just say you want to be good by trying. You, you, habit takes the advantage of inattention. So if you have to pay attention. An inclination was too strong for reason. So you can be logically know something's wrong, but if you're inclined to a habit, that's going to overpower it. So you have to do something... You have to put a system in place. Um, and so that's what he went to do by um, by acquiring good established habits. Um, and so we'll continue on. In the various uh, enumerations of the moral virtues I had met with in my reading, I found the catalogue more or less numerous as different writers included more or fewer ideas under the same name. Temperance, for example, was by some confined to eating and drinking, while by others it was extended to me in the moderating of every other pleasure, appetite, inclination or passion, bodily or mental, even to our uh, um, avarice and ambition, I proposed to myself for the sake of cleanliness to use rather more names with fewer ideas annexed to them than, name, than, than a few names with more ideas. And I inclu- included under 13 names of virtues, all that at the time occurred to me as necessary or desirable. And the next to each, a short precept, which fully expressed the extent I gave to its meaning. Okay, so just to summarize, he's come up with 13 virtues that he wanted to follow to improve himself. And I'll just read them out to you. They were temperance. Uh, which he's given an explanation means not to eat to dullness and drink not to elevation. Second was silence. Speak not but what may benefit others or yourself. Avoid trifling conversation. Three, order. Let all your things have their places. Let each part of your business have its time. Four, resolution. Resolve to perform what you ought. Perform without foul what you resolve. Five, frugality. Make no expense but to do good to others or yourself, i.e. waste nothing. 6. Industry. Lose no time. Be always employed in something useful. Cut off all unnecessary actions. 7. Sincerity. Use no hurtful deceit. Think innocently and justly. And if you speak, speak accordingly. 8. Justice. Wrong none by doing injuries or omitting the benefits that are your duty. 9. Moderation. Avoid extremes. Forbear resenting injuries so much as you think they deserve. 10. Cleanliness. Tolerate no uncleanliness in body, clothes or habitation. 11. Tranquility. Be not disturbed at trifles or at accidents common or unavoidable. That one there is a good one to remember if you've got kids. Um, 12. Chastity. Rarely use uh, a venery, but for health or offspring. Never to dullness, weakness, or the injury of your own or another's peace or reputation. And thirteen humility. Imitate Jesus and and Socrates. So we have his thirteen virtues uh, that he wanted to follow as part of improving himself. He goes on and explains. My intention being to acquire the uh, habits of all these virtues, I judged it would be well not to distract my attention by attempting the whole at once, but to fix it on one of them at a time. And when I should master, be the master of that, then to proceed to another, and so on till I should have gone through the thirteen, and as the previous acquisition of some might facilitate, the acquisition of certain others, I arranged them with that view as they stand above, temperance first as it tends to procure that coolness and and clearness of head, which is so necessary when constant vigilance was to be kept up, and guard maintained against the unremitting re- remitting attraction of ancient habits and the force of perpetual temptations, this being acquired and established. Silence would be more easy, and my desire being to gain knowledge at the same time that I am improved in virtue and considering that in conversation it was obtained, rather by the use of the ears than of the tongue, and therefore wishing to break a habit I was getting into of prattling, puning and joking, which only made me acceptable to trifling company. I gave silence the second place. This and the next order I expected would allow me more time for attending my, to my project and my studies. Resolution, once become hab- hab- um, uh, habit, would keep me firm in my endeavours to obtain all the subsequent virtues. Frugality, the industry, freeing me from my remaining debt and producing affluence and independence, would make more easy the practice of sincerity and justice. Conceiving then that agreeably to the advice, um, to the advice daily examination would be necessary, I contrived the following method for conducting that examination. I made a little book in which I allotted a page for each of the virtues. I ruled each page with red ink so as to have seven columns, one for each day of the week marking each column with a letter for the day. I crossed these columns with 13 red lines, marking the beginning of each line with the first letter of one of the virtues, on which line and in its proper column, I might mark by a little black spot, every fault I found upon examination to have been committed, respecting that virtue upon that day. So what he's done, (coughs) he's created a little diary and he's got, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday across the top and then down the left, there's a column, and it has all the 13 virtues that we read out, okay? And so down there, and then he's got... He basically, each day, he'll mark which virtue he's failed at, whether it's poorly, you might put two dots. If it's just a little bit, you might put one dot. And so I I found that fascinating, because usually when you're setting goals, you're setting things that you want to do, and you you put them in there if you've done... And, you, you know, you try to make sure you've done them but he's marked when he hasn't done them, which is easier to do It's easier to remember if you haven't done something I think I just thought that was an interesting nuance, so he's getting organized One, he's credited he's decided what he wants he wants to improve himself and he wants to become you know he wants to be better he's does come up with thirteen virtues that he feels will help make him better and what are important and then he's judging giving himself goals every day about how to get through them and instead of trying to do them all in one day he focuses on one virtue a week so if he's being frugal or or something that week then he will focus on that virtue and he he uses the analogy of weeds you know you can't take care of the whole garden all the time but you can weed once a week and then move on to something else the next <clears throat> he continues on, I determined to give a week's strict attention to each of the virtues successfully, thus, in the first week, my great guard was to avoid every uh, to avoid to avoid every the least offense against temperance, leaving the other virtues to their ordinary chance, only marking every evening the faults of the day. Thus, if in the first week, I could keep my first line mark t clear of spots, I suppose the habit of that virtue so much strengthened, and its opposite. and its opposite weakened, that I might venture extending my attention to include the next. And for the following week, keep both lines clear of spots. I won't keep reading there because it it gets a bit bogged down. He has a few things here that he he uses as um, quotes to help keep him strong. Um, The Proverbs of Solomon, for example. Length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand riches and honour. Her ways are... Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. Um, he also marks a few prayers here that he, he notes and other little quotes. He then talks about order and how to keep his, uh, an actual schedule. And he has a, he's got a schedule for the day, which it goes from 5 o'clock in the morning um, until 4 o'clock in the next morning. And at the beginning of the day, he's got um, a question which is, what good shall I do this day? And at the end of the day, he's got another question. What good have I done today? So two questions that he asks every day. And then on the right side of the column, next to each time phrase, he's got things he's got to do. In the morning, he rises and washes and dresses. And and uh, he, he, he you know, organizes his business, has his breakfast, works in certain hours. Lunch at lunch time. He's got meals and whatever else, and it's a very very simple schedule. It's not bogged down, and I just it's just amazing that this is here with Benjamin Franklin hundreds of years ago. Um, when we have all these people helping us with our time and everything else today, this is old. We already have this stuff from our from our ancestors. <coughs> um. There's more that he goes into here. I won't continue on, except to say that it's worth a read. And I will recommend that you continue to read that and you, and you go through it with your time. I wanted to share that because Benjamin Franklin was an exceptionally successful person. And he gives us insight into what he did, which was he set goals for himself. He, his goal was to improve and become uh, virtuous. He laid out what that looked like. And then he went and did it. He went and did it through scheduling and, um, and focusing on what you know, where he fouled in the days of, of the becoming virtuous. I, um, I think there's something really special about um, the forefathers and what they achieved. There was greatness there. And we are lucky to have the words of them so that we can study them and try to um, in- increase on that greatness in our day and age. I'm, I'm really thankful for that. I'm thankful for their examples in that fact. And, and I hope you all got something out of it as I did. Leave that with you until next time and we'll explore further. I hope you enjoyed. See you later.